Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. And we're back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast. And this week, it's Chris's pick. It's the debut album from the band Bad Company. Guys, y'all ready to go back in time and do a little classic rock? Yes, sir. How about you, Anthony? Are you ready for, for some classic rock this week? I'm ready for the seagull to fly, man. <laughs> let's, let's hear your tagline. Oh, I don't Here have any off the top of my head, but I thought of these two this morning. They're real quick. It's the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Bad, bad company. Or Not bad. Just can't get enough. It's the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Much better. It's probably Much the one better. right there. Yeah. yeah, that's the one we should Although, to weave in the fact that we're all bad company, that might be, uh, I don't know. That's got to be something there, yeah. Actually, I like that. I, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's, that's I, didn't, I forgot to do it. I, a lot of times when I'm doing my review, I'll write up something. Nothing popped into my head this week, so I was like, well, but can't get dang enough it, i got to find us something. <laughs> Speaking of can't get enough, guys, this first track of this record, can't get enough. Hit it, Chris. So can't get enough, man. This one, honestly, it's easily recognizable from the intro riffs. I mean, the guitars have this nice soft crunch. I know it sounds kind of, I guess, counterintuitive, but it's not too overdriven. Uh, Paul Rogers vocals, absolutely fantastic. Very smooth. And he also has a hint of roughness to the edge of his voice as well, which I do like that for this style of music. Um, vocally, this one is great. Really easy to get into. It's probably the perfect opener for this album, to be honest with you. I find this song to be outstanding, and I'm at a nine. Chris, can't get enough. Yeah, that's a good, good score on that one, Jimmy. Uh, for me, man, this is a it's a peppy, upbeat song. This is a moderate-sized hit for these guys. Uh, it's got a little swagger to it, you know. It actually almost has like a southern rock sound, which is kind of strange for me. Sometimes I get that vibe from these guys, a southern rock vibe. And I know they're English, but... Uh, I don't know. It just kind of comes across that way. Are they uh, English? I didn't realize yeah, they were English. Yeah, they are English. Yeah, they are. 
Yeah, bluesy rock. Just you know, I'm, that's right in my wheelhouse. I love blues rock. Uh, I also give it a nine. I agree, hundred percent, man. Awesome. All right, Outstanding Anthony song. can't get enough. Uh, songfacts.com. Uh, can't get enough was both the first and the highest charting single released by Bad Company, which surprised me. That helped sway my rating a little bit, actually. Uh, it still receives heavy airplay today on classic rock radio. This song is a good taste of the original lineup of Bad Company, one of the earliest and longest-lived supergroups. It combines singer Paul Rogers and drummer Simon Kirk from the band Free, guitarist Mick Rouse from the band Mata Hoople, and bassist Boz Burrell from King Crimson. Uh, not to mention sharing wow. a manager, Peter Grant, with Led Zeppelin. So there's a lot of big names in this one. Oh, wow. I didn't Holy realize smokes. that either. I wow, was just I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes, so, I had no idea. Yeah, Can't Get Enough was written by Ralphs when he was still with Monta Hoople, but the band, or the rec label, rejected it. When he joined Bad Company, they were happy to record the song. Ralphs also brought Moving On with him, which became the group's next single, as well as Ready for Love, which he originally recorded with Mott, but redid with Bad Company. So Mott the Hoople missed out on two <laughs> classic, iconic they songs. absolutely man. did. So, I, I, um, I tell you, that is insane. I had no freaking idea about that. that. It's song facts, too. So I'm assuming that's pretty legit. I'm not well, saying I'm sure it's not. It is, I'm just man. saying. I, I never yeah, realized so, that. Putting that caveat out there. Yeah, I always put that caveat because yeah. it's yeah. the internet, it's song <laughs> facts. It. It's that, you know, but at the same time, why would they make that up? There's no reason to make that stuff up, you know. It's right, yeah. Bad company's cool, bad man. company. They're not going to be need to be boosted by anything, you know. So, uh, for me personally, man, this one has a nice groove to it. Great way to lead now, man. Great vocals, solid guitar and drum work, catchy chorus. I've been digging this one for a long time. I gave it a 10. I think it's perfection for them. And when I read that opening about them can't get enough being their first and really biggest single, which I was surprised to read, I bumped it from a nine to a ten on that that statement alone. Oh I was like, wow! If a song is that popular in their discography, it deserves to have a ten for them. So, yeah, I think it's perfect. I got you. Plus, I think it is a damn near perfect song. I mean, it's no flaws at all in that. Song, I can so. I can certainly see yeah, it's a very cool the direction. Tune, yes, it is a great tune. It's just uh, it's not one of the ones that sparked that high for me. However, it's very high rating for me, especially as a uh, as an opening tune and a single for a. You know, obviously a, a greatest, uh, what is this, like just a, a group of some of the greatest musicians from England? I mean, good Lord. I, I know, man. Some of these I had, I mean, I, I kind of knew, I knew the King Crimson stuff, just so you know, but I had no idea the other guys were I've never listened to else. King. I've never heard, and they, I heard a lot, in that Rush podcast, I hear a lot about King Crimson and some of those proggy bands like that, but, but see, I never really listened to them. I dove down the, the prog as a guitar player, you, you kind of go right. these routes because you want to hear these fantastic guitarists. And I've been down the King Crimson, the Yes, you know, the whole nine yards, uh, as far as the 70s goes. Yes. Yeah, I tried Yes. I couldn't get into them much. I turned them one of it's, the best of. Yes was a no for you, right? Yes was a no, huh? <laughs> I, I tell you what, you guys remember the uh, the band that really made this song famous that re released it probably in 90 ish, 91? Winger. Can't get, can't get enough. <laughs> no, it's a different song. It's a different song. Say, it's a joke. It's a joke. Oh my god, dude! It's far superior version and everything, right? Oh my. Oh, absolutely. Get enough. <sighs> All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move this forward to track number two. It's called Rock Steady. Go ahead, Chris.
Rock Steady. Yet again, we have another easily recognizable intro guitar riff. Uh, Paul is adding more bluesy uh, vocal stylings on this song. Um, this one really is a grower. I can't believe this one wasn't a single either because of its bluesy drive. Uh, I'll be honest with you, that guitar solo is fantastic. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it fits the song to a T. Um, I, f- I found myself enjoying it. I was familiar with this one long before we listened to this uh, record. Couldn't believe it wasn't a single. It was probably the biggest surprise. Mick Rouse owns this on guitar. I'm going to go ahead and say, I, I think it's somewhere between great and excellent. I'm at seven and a half on this. Chris, what do you think about Rocksteady? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, actually, there's a couple of songs on here that I'm surprised weren't singles. Uh, I agree with this one as well because I knew it when I heard it. Uh Tell you guys, I get shades of ZZ Top from this stuff. Like the oh, old yeah, school, absolutely. Uh, it feels like a Texas blues stuff, man. I mean, it's crazy. Again, it's kind of hard to believe you guys are from England because everything to me feels like more American Southern blues rock kind of stuff. But oh, yeah. and you know, he doesn't sound English when he sings either. But but <laughs> that's another thing. I don't know how those English guys do that. Uh, smooth intro, love that riff. It's fantastic. Uh, Paul, his vocals. You, you made a comment there on, on the last song and you're right man it, his vocals are smooth but he's got kind of like a ra- rough rasp to his vocal as well which yeah. is like lends perfect to this kind of music uh, to steal from Anthony gets the head bobbing it absolutely does very bombastic <laughs> song <laughs> I'm not sure if it's bombastic but it definitely gets the head bobbing uh, rhythm section is strong on this song too man the bass is very prominent uh, I think it's eight and a half. That's that's where I went with it. That's oh, a fantastic wow. song, man. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, Anthony. And I'm surprised it wasn't a single. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Right. It could be one of those songs too where we've heard throughout our lifetime. Maybe these play them on classic rock a lot. Some of these songs. You know, I, I didn't off the top of my head pull up because I had a a uh, greatest hits by them called Ten to Six back ten, in the day. And I can't six. remember if this yeah. was on it or not. Maybe maybe a couple of these were, yeah. and I just like that's why I think they're singles. I don't know, but uh, it's a fantastic song. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, a, absolutely. It's 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 bluesy bomb. It's bluesy bomb tastic, right? Is that a better way to put it? Yeah, yeah, blues tastic, I suppose. <laughs> uh, rock steady, man. Yeah, I like that feedback sounding guitar that leads it in. Uh, the heavy drums, the groove. You know, the groove in some of these songs is just so cool, so fun, so uh, so just. I guess nasty is a good word for it. But uh, vocals are strong. You know, I didn't realize how good a singer Paul Rogers was until I listened to this album. Duke can flat out sing. Uh, you know, that guitar solo too, like Jimmy said, that's such a smooth guitar solo. Uh, no complaints from me either, man. Eight, I gave it an eight. I think it's excellent. So, you know, and most of my scores can be pretty high on this album. This is an excellent album from start to finish. Yeah. Excellent, man. All right. We'll move this up to track three. It's called ready for love. Chris. Walking down this rocky road Wondering where my life is leading Rolling on to the bitter end Finding out along the way What it takes to keep love living You should know how it feels, my friend Ooh. 
Ready for Love. Uh, this one is yet another easily recognizable song just from the intro. Slow, smooth, hints of blues laden throughout. Um, I mean, vocally great. So is the rest of the song. I mean, I can say yet again, I was familiar with this song, and I can't believe this one wasn't a signal either. I mean, this is this is it's it's going to become a theme at some point tonight. Although, I mean, I get it; it's not the strongest song on this album. Great song all all together, and that's where I'm standing. I think it's great. I'm at a seven. Chris, ready for love? That's interesting. Again, you said this wasn't a single, and it's it's not. But it, this one was on. It's ten from six is the name of the album. Yeah, I pulled uh, so, that one up too. I saw that. So it was yeah. it was on a greatest hits album by then, but it wasn't a single. How is that like work? I don't, probably, I don't get that. That may have been something hits. they they argued to be on that record. To be honest yeah. with you, hey, man, we love this song. It's something that's a fan. It maybe may have been a fan favorite. Of course, ten for six didn't come out to what seventy what eighty eighty five. Good lord. Yeah. So yeah, think so that's about basically it. all their Paul Rogers stuff. Basically, I mean that's a. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, this this song to me, uh, I'm quite a bit higher than than you on this song because I feel like oh, really? this has just got the perfect smoldering groove to it. This is like a sexual tune, man. I mean, like ready for love. I mean, just just Someone the get lyrics, the hose man. on Chris over there, guys. Get oh, hose, <laughs> I'm just just telling you, man. Like Paul is just melting butter with those vocals. Oh goodness! And I just love the the rhythm set, the dun 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 dun. You know, the whole the the bass throughout. Uh, it's damn near perfection. I didn't give it a 10, but I gave it a nine and a half. I think it's that good a song. Holy uh, smokes. I'm going to call it my, sl- is this really a sleeper? I mean, it's hard to say it's a sleeper because it's even a, though it wasn't yeah, a single, a it was on the greatest hits and I knew it, but I've always loved this song. It's probably not like as high regarded as maybe, you know, a couple of the, the big hits on this, but I think it's a fantastic song and it should be. So, all right. Fair enough. What do you think, Anthony? Anthony, uh, you know I, I love the song, man. It's uh, it's one of those songs that just works from start to finish. I mean, I said everything is on fire in this one, man. From the vocals to the drums, the guitars, on and on it goes. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, you know, and the way this song grooves is just it's just ridiculous how good this groove is in this song. Um, it's hard not to enjoy it. I gave it a nine. I think it's an outstanding song from start. Wow. To finish, so. I guess I well I kind of knew you guys were gonna be a little bit higher me on that one. I, I think there's some a couple more superior songs on this record than that, but just my opinion. Let's move it on up. Track four, "Don't Let Me Down." So see what Chris did there. 
You brought in actually the absolute best part of this song because the song is not the best part of the song. Oh my God, the guitar solo is the best part of that song. Oh, well, not are, just the guitar. So I love the way that are saxophone going. comes in. You guys don't like, like this at all. <laughs> well, I mean, but the way the reason I pulled that was because I thought it was really clever the way that I, I, I mean I have this in my notes. I'm, since you brought it up, I'm gonna say it. Go ahead. The saxophone was great, and I love the way the guitar just kind of like comes in right behind it. I almost know. feels like it's part of the brass instead of the guitar, which is crazy the way they did that. And then, then of course, too. we get the the big chorus at the end. But go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry. No, it's okay. That's man. why it's such Listen. a fantastic song, and you should give it a high rating, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to change my score right now from a one to something a little better. No, um, all right. So don't let me down. Slow starter, and this is the one I was not familiar with. This does remind me of the Beatles for some reason. Yeah. <clears throat> the sax solo in this one, and there, there's a sax solo obviously in this one, and uh, I'm sure my daughter would love it. But that really didn't move the needle for me outside of being a a good song. The guitar solo was good, soulful, really pieced together this song nicely, mixing with the saxophone. Um, however, I found the song to be good and nothing more than good. It didn't stand out. I'm not a guys, I'm not a huge brass fan when it comes to this classic rock. As weird as it sounds, I know a lot of classic stuff does have this stuff. It's a five. It's a good in my book. That's it. I'll be the outlier this time. Go ahead. Move on. Chris. Yeah, I think his song "Smolders," man. I love the I love the way it, it get the it hose, goes. guys. I'm telling you, I need the hose today. Chris is getting all. Uh... <laughs> I'm not like that crazy, but yeah, it, this is a really good song. I love the chorus on it. It's very catchy. Love that saxophone part, man. And I like the way, like I said, the guitar kind of comes in right behind it. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, that. Uh, get by with a little help from my friends. The way that song kind of like builds yeah. to a crescendo there. Yeah. Um, I like the background singers. I had some female background vocalists yeah. in there that did a really good job on it. Uh, I, I put it at a seven and a half. I think it's between great and excellent. So seems like fair score for that one. Fair enough. Anthony, yeah. what are your <laughs> thoughts on this song? Yeah, there's a Beatles song that has a similar sound to this one, too. It's not. Well, didn't the, the Beatles do Get By With a Little Help From My Friends as they well? Did. They, they did. That it. is the song. That's what I was going mean, to say. I, I, I give Cocker ownership of that because I think he does a better job than the Beatles, but... I mean, uh, you're not gonna hear me say that often, but like in that situation, that, I've always loved his version of that song. There's another Beatles song that has a similar sound too, as well. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head though. Um, anyways, I can almost hear Paul McCartney singing this. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you know, it's another great bluesy song, man. It works. You know, I just I had no idea how bluesy these guys got. I always thought they were just a rock band. I didn't know they were such a blues infused rock band like this. It's crazy to hear this stuff. Paul, again, is showing that amazing voice of his. Uh, and like you, Chris, you took my notes on that on the background singing. I love that background singing. Yeah. And uh, the saxophone. I do love how that sax. I love a saxophone anyways in a song, but I love how it kind of comes into the guitar. And it's just a perfect transition. I gave it an eight. I think it's an excellent tune, man, from start to finish. So I'm, I'm really digging it. Yep. Right. In fact, I was listening to a song by Ghost last night. They have a, one of those songs that they have a sax in it. It comes in out of nowhere. They it's do. so Mama, good. Or is it, what's the, what's the uh, name of it? Mom, I don't know. It starts with an M. But yeah. Miasma? I can't pronounce all their damn songs. I don't know where they're I guess I guess Swedish. So he's like got that. some. That's no, not it's like an instrumental. It's miasma. 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 That's it. Yeah. It's instrumental. Amateurs. And all of a sudden, at the very end, it just comes in this beautiful saxophone. It just works perfectly. I'm like, oh, I love well, that. Since, so good. Since you brought this up, I got to tell you this because when we saw them in concert, and they do this every show, they wheel out like grandpapa in a glass coffin. 
<laughs> while right before that it's getting ready to come up and somebody like shocks him back to life you see these sparks coming out of the coffin and everything is he immediately like comes to life and somebody hands him a saxophone and he starts playing that part <laughs> yeah and oh, it's it's kind of funny because it looks like if they don't give a saxophone he's going to kill the guy yeah he's getting ready to like to attack life. somebody yeah it's it's funny it's really good man it's, it is it's clever so people man <laughs> great stage funny. show with that bunch <laughs> I need to see oh that my sometime. god all right well let's move this over to side two with the track Bad Company. Chris. company so the song that is the title of the band oh my god you're expecting something great they really do deliver on this tune man it's got a great sound great vibe it's a classic song it's got that 70s grit that makes it rock the slow start the speed up and then back to the slow start i mean it's it's at a slow vibe i'm telling you right now it's it's a fantastic tune arguably iconic um, it's one of my favorite songs from the band, to be honest with you. And honestly, it's one of my favorite songs from the 70s. This is the one track that absolutely, if anything, deserves a 10 from my ears. It's this one. I find this one to be absolute bad company perfection, 70s perfection, classic rock perfection. It's a 10. Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with any of that. It's an easy 10. I'll, I'll just tell that right off the bat. It's their second highest stream song. I don't know if that matters to you guys. Uh, any guesses what their top string song is, by the way? I feel like not on love. this album. Making Love, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys knew that or not. That's yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this it's 88 million streams on this, by the way. Uh, just Lord, for Spotify. Fantastic. Yeah, it's kinda actually kind of low in the grand scheme of the stuff we look at, but I don't know. Again, some what? of the 70s stuff is just like, most people are probably listening on vinyl or CDs or whatever. So I, I'm I was going to say, judge there's a that. different generation that streams, yeah. and then there's the generation that bought this stuff and listened to it personally own it. I mean, 88 million says a lot, because we're the ones that are starting to kind of adapt to that, right? Yeah. You know, for the past 10 years, we've kind of moved that direction. Although I've got a, I've got this love for vinyl over the past year that I've found, but 
I'm telling you right no, now, but, the streams don't mean jack squat when it comes to 70s. I guess the, well, the Beatles is probably. If anything, it just kind of gives the hierarchy of their music, you know, like, okay, this is probably their most popular song. But on top no, of no, that, I'm with I agree. I'm it doesn't mean you. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, this is just, again, smoldering, man. I mean, I say that on this album a lot. Anthony, I know you think that's funny, but, but, but it's a smoldering song, man. It's kind of a rock anthem, really. Uh, I love the guitar. He, it's got some kind of effect there. I don't know. It's, it gives a really good tone to his guitar. Um, I don't know. I like you know. I kind of walked away. That's the thing with old uh, uh, Mick Ralphs. There, he doesn't really. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call him like a fantastic guitarist, but for what he's doing, it's it is good. You know, I mean, it's it's not real complicated, but the guy has great tone and great timing. And he wrote half of these songs, and and he's like he's an underrated guy in the, in the industry, I think. So, but yeah, Paul's vocals are fantastic on this song. Again, the the guitar tone's perfect. Uh, rhythm section, bass, man, that, that the bass is strong on this album. I really I really enjoy that. I guess that I should that's old Boz Burrell, right? He did a great job on this. It's easily a ten. It's perfection. I mean, it's the trifecta. It's the album title, the band name. And the song title, so you don't get that too often. It should be a ten when that happens. Hopefully, the band's worth their salt. It is anyway, but uh, yeah. yeah, easy ten on my book. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, uh, songfacts.com on this one. Uh, according to Kirk, Roger saw a poster advertising the movie. I guess Bad Company suggested it as the band name. Rogers told a different story in a 2010 interview with Spinner. He said it came from my childhood days. He said, I saw a book on Victorian morals. They showed this picture of this Victorian punk. I'd love to see a Victorian punk. I bet you look kind of wild. <laughs> uh, he was dressed like a tough with a top hat and the spats and vest and the watch in the pocket and the tails and all that. But everything was raggy. The shoes were popped out of the soles and the top of the hat was popped out. And the guy is leaning on the lamppost with a bottle in his hand and a pipe in his mouth obviously a dodgy person and you get this little choir boy kind of guy a little kid actually looking up to him and underneath it it said beware of bad company so apparently he liked that name nice so and the singer added that he decided to go with the song with the same name as the band as i think because it had never really been done as far as he knew he said i thought it was interesting to come out as a brand new band with its own theme song so that was a pretty cool stuff to learn but i think black sabbath might have beat him to the punch on this one because they had black sabbath black sabbath black sabbath so they might have oh, been yeah, yeah i'm sure that's not the first time it's ever been done but, no uh, no but he you know it, it was around one of the first times to do that there's a few other bands have done that too so um yeah you know this song man it's another banger and a long list of bangers it's an incredible song the way it builds the way it crashes into the chorus the bass is nasty guitar as well it's a killer guitar solo vocals are in top form drums are on fire there's nothing bad to be found in this song i just think it's my flesh of the week i'm sorry guys what wow no i'm just crazy. kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's your flesh of the week <laughs> sorry i was trying to wake you guys up a little bit uh, no it's a 10 man it's perfection <laughs> it's perfect i was want to see if i was listening over there you guys zone out when i start talking sometimes i was like Glassy eyes, and you're like, oh no, I was no, I was appreciating I was, I was that uh, that link to what what? Anthony <laughs> never flushes anything. Oh my god! But uh, and if you want to check out another great version of this song, Five Finger Death Punch, man, they kill this song. They have a great version of it out there. So yes, they do. It's absolutely fantastic. 
It is. Fantastic, man. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's move us up to track six. It's called The Way I Choose. Chris? Choose. Anthony's already shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's ready for it. All right. First thought, it's too long. Slow down is a little too much for me. I do like the tone of the guitar and the vocal lines. Uh, the song didn't grow too much on me, but it did grow a little bit. The vocals, honestly, is what grew on me the most. Paul really owns this song. I mean, he really does. And um, that's the one thing I keep hearing over and over, you know, like, you know, sometimes songs get stuck on your head. There's two songs that got stuck on my head this week. And the vocal line is what got stuck on this song. Uh, it didn't sway my decision on, on scoring too, too much, but it did bring it up. Um, I would say, once again, my daughter would like the saxophone on this one. Uh, but, you know, the song to me is still very good it's not my flush uh, my flush would have been that uh, don't let me down because uh, i just didn't really care for it that much but this one's a six to me i think it's a very good song um i, I don't want to kill it uh that's okay we can still but the reason friends. why it's there is because the, the vocals are outstanding and that vocal line just kind of gets stuck in your head yeah all right i'm a six chris what'd you think about the way i choose Chris's flush of the week. Wow, I, well, I knew it had to be this one. I, don't, I can't imagine the other two doing it. Yeah, the, the flush I would flush Seagull before I would flush this one. Yes, well, that's that's you. Would you Could like me to flush. create a Anthony's flush of the week for Seagull? No, we're not. That's uh, yeah. I, you know, it, it is a solid tune. It is. It's the weakest on the album, though. Uh, you you mentioned that, Jimmy. It is the longest song on the album. I didn't really realize that. That said, nothing is too long on this album. It's five minutes and six seconds yeah, is the longest not, song on this album, so it's not that bad. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you. The chorus does get stuck in your head, and, and I like the brass section in the middle of the song as well. Uh, but that said, that there are times this song just drags, and, and it, you feel the drag. You know, It's not like something that it, it, time kind of stands still in a bad way sometimes when you're listening to music like that. Uh, it's something I'd probably skip most of the time if I'm being 100% honest. That said, I, I give it a six. I agree with you. I think it's a very good song. Uh, all that said, it, it is a very good song, but but it's just not to the level of the rest of the music on this album. So, yep, six for me. All right, Anthony. 
I mean, me personally, guys, I love this song. Um, I think it's the song of the last two weeks for me. I think it's one of my favorites from the year so far, personally. Favorite, favorite songs wow. of the year, is that what you're saying? Yep. Dear Lord, we have I, listened was, to some absolute humdingers, <laughs> and you're telling me this is one of your favorite songs of the year? One of my favorites oh my from the year, guys. Oh, my love God. this song. It was an instant hit. It was an instant hit. When I first heard this song, I immediately hit the love button on my, uh, the very first time on my Apple thing to make sure it came back on my playlist more often. Uh, it's just an incredible ballad, man, from start to finish. Paul is smooth on vocals. The band is tuned to his vocals perfectly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This song works big time for me, man. It's my sleeper of the week. I just think it's a wow. fantastic song. I gave it a nine. I think it's outstanding. So I'm, I'm so on board with the song. Man, when I first great. heard it, man, it's like that "Hot Blue and Righteous" song from ZZ Top. The first time I heard that yeah. song, I was like, "Well, that's my God, that's agree. It's very similar to that. That's a good point." I was like, I, "That's just that kind of song," and I love that kind of bluesy ballad. It's just like, I don't know, it's a perfect mashup for me. For some, I didn't realize there was a mashup for me of songs like that that were like hits my sweets, my G spot, so to speak. So that, this one does it, I guess. Wow. So. <laughs> well, writing a squad high, you definitely have a vagina. That's impressive. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, uh, yeah, you know, that's a good comparison. I don't mind seriousness, that's a really good comparison because it does remind me of that Hot Blue and Righteous song. It's, it's the same, uh, it's the same song, chord progression. Literally, yeah. it's a copy of the chord progression. The Hot Blue and Righteous song hit me the same way this one hit me. The first time I heard it, I scrambled, hit the love button because I was like, I got to hear this song again more often. You, so. you say copy, but I'm not sure this album didn't come out before. Uh, yeah, that was, it it, was that one in 73? Uh, when, when, yeah. when did this is 74 70, so maybe it is. 73 is when the uh trace Ombrace comes out is that when okay. it came out it came, is that that's on trace Ombrace, right yeah it was i was thinking it was right it was. in that 73 I'm, i don't think they copied each other i think they both wrote it around the same time it's, it's probably a, just a popular bluesy. style of music back then it is it's, it's, good, it's bluesy good music bluesy yeah. ballad man is all it is yeah. it's a good but it's a good ballad. good comparison because it is a very they, good one, i yeah. feel like i'm listening to old zz top a lot of times when i listen to this stuff so i could actually it's a high compliment right there I like your Paul McCartney sure. singing this one from one of the. There's a Beatles one that "Don't Let Me Down" or something that. Don't mm-hmm. let me. What is that song by the Beatles? Is that the name of that song? That's what we were. That is. That was earlier in our. What yeah. we were listening to. Earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Where I could hear, I could hear Paul McCartney singing this song too, really perfectly too. So. Nice. Doesn't um, surprise me they were influenced by the Beatles. Everybody's influenced by the Beatles back then. So. Very true. <laughs> they were the biggest band in the world at the time. All right, let's move it up to track seven. It's called Moving On, Chris. Man, I actually love the way this one starts out. Easy to sing along with and get into. Uh, I knew this one as soon as we heard it. Uh, I think it's a great, great song. This song reminds me of Bob Seger 
uh, has a Bob Seger type feel for it. Now, granted, Bob Seger's would have came out later than this, but because I was more familiar with the Bob Seger music for some reason, this one reminds me of his of his music styles and a few songs. Um, man, it sticks to you. And it's really helping bring this album to a close. Um, the guitar lines, the rhythm and guitar solo is great. Uh, it's probably the most rocking song on the album, perhaps, arguably. Um, I love it. I think it's somewhere between great and outstanding. I found this one to be an eight and a half. Chris? Yeah, again, Anthony's worded here, head bobbing, toe tapping. That's what I think when I hear this song. Uh, rhythm section crushes it on this. Love the bass line, the drummer's instinct with him. They do a great job. Really good riffs on this song. It is probably the most rocking song on this album. Catchy chorus. Uh, I will say, like, I think, honestly, instrumentally, it's probably one of the stronger ones. And I don't think it's vocally weak, but I just don't think, I think the instruments just shine more on this song maybe than the, than the vocals do. Uh, not That's no knock on anything. It's just kind of an observation. Uh, I give it an eight. I think it's an excellent song. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Anthony. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, from Wikipedia, Moving On is a song written by Mick Rouse that was first released as a single by Hackensack in 1972. So I've never heard of Hackensack, so... Uh, it was later most famously included on Bad Company's debut album, on which Rouse played lead guitar. Moving On was also released as the second single from the album as a follow-up to Can't Get Enough and reached number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 30 in Canada. So, uh, anyways, yeah, I saw that. I said, that's, that's kind of interesting that uh, this was actually a song that was actually out before. So, Wow. Uh, yeah, it's another great grooving song, man. I said, uh, open up the T-tops, push in the 8-track, and let's go cruising. This is a perfect driving song, and everything works like so many other songs on this album. No issues. It's an 8. It's excellent. So, yeah. Oh Definitely God. has that feel to it. You can see just like in mid-70s, mm-hmm. cruising Most down the California freeway, wind in your hair, you know, like <laughs> T-tops up. And, yeah, it's that kind of song, getting, man. getting eaten by yeah. the, the yeah. player <laughs> trying to take it out and we wind it back together. Yeah. <laughs> Get a pencil out and try like Throwing it out the window because you're pissed off at it. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see that happen. That's hilarious. <laughs> see, a lot of people beyond our generation don't know the old – Taking the pencil out, trying to get the tape cassette back to work again, man. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I'm putting a little piece of tape on the tape cassette Been to try there, to get this thing there. to come back together. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, let's close this album out with the final track. It's called Seagull, also known as Anthony's Song. Go ahead. I like the song. Just the subject matter bugs. Nobody asks you where you are going. Nobody knows where you're from. Not you
All right, guys, you all know how I feel about the closing song. All right, here, Seagull. Not quite what I expected to close out the record. However, I do love the acoustic opening, and this one's vocally outstanding yet again. Like I said, I normally typically want a faster-paced song to close out an album that makes the listener want to hear what's coming up next. However, this one being a completely acoustic song, um, I think it fits the album to a T. This one's actually my sleeper. It's my favorite track on this record. Uh, it's unexpected what? for sure, and I absolutely love the song. I don't know what it was about it. I'd never heard it before <laughs> until this past week. Right. Um, I have no idea why it stuck with me. I think it's the simplicity and the the mesh between Rogers' vocals and Ralph's guitar strumming. Don't ask me why. It's absolutely my favorite song on this record. It comes down between excellent and outstanding. It's eight and a half for me. Chris Seagull. It's all and out hit you, man. I, tell you I, what, I, man. I didn't expect it. Like, I did not. It, I expected it, you. It's all, all out hit Anthony. you like one of those big seagull drops. They poop on you, you top have of a, you at the beach. You have a, so. a song about this magisterial bird. Is <laughs> is I understand, man. The because seagull. it's like it can it can it touches your heart, man. It really does. What, man? All I see um, is squawking and crapping on people when I hear seagulls. Finally, this bird's getting it due. It's due. I'm, you what, like, it I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody's captured the I the spirit of the seagull <laughs> until we've gotten this song. I'm telling you what, man. I, I can envision Paul. Let's see who wrote this. I don't even know. Did Paul write it or did yeah, the, Paul Rogers and, and Mick Rouse wrote it? Okay, yeah. So doubt me. Yeah, you know, I can see these guys sitting on a beach, coffee, early morning, watching seagulls fly around. Little so, shot yeah, we need to write a song coffee. about that. What's that? Say a little shot of Jack in that coffee. Maybe a couple shots of Jack in that know. coffee. But I do love the acoustic guitar throughout, and I think I think Paul's vocals are fantastic on this song. I, I agree with you. There is something great about this song. I think it's a really good closer. Uh, I will say I think I would have flipped it and, and put "Moving On" as the closer because yeah, to me that feels like a really good closer and it would like lead right into the next album. Which I see the first track on Straight Shooter is Good Love and Gone Bad, which is a great song. Uh, I could see them like that just kind of flowing right into that, but I don't guess like they really know what the next album is going to be like when they're putting the, the last one together. So uh, right, maybe that right. doesn't come into their conscious. I don't know. But uh, I think it's a great song. I gave it a seven. This is a solid closer. I would have flipped moving on with it, but it's a very good song. So fair enough. Great song. Not even very good. It's great. a great look. I get you. Anthony. Yeah. And I love the subject matter because that is a magisterial bird. And it what. needs its due out there. It really does. Finally has it. Finally has it. Yeah, exactly. Pull it out of the trash dumps where it's <laughs> scavenging for garbage. So this is Anthony's flush of the week. Crapping on here. cars or you just flying across the This is your flush of the week, Anthony. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, but it, honestly, it's not a low flush. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean it's really not. You know. <clears throat> Have you had a bad experience with the seagull? Is that what this comes yeah, down no, to? No, no. I know I my don't. brother and my dad did one time. They put a bunch of popcorn out in the parking lot and got swarmed oh, by Oh, well, that's, that's on them. <laughs> Somebody's asking. What, bread, popcorn are two of the key attractants to these damn animals. You weren't one of those jackasses throwing Alka-Seltzers at them out no, on the, no, on the deck never, right I would again. never. Watch them explode in the sky. I would yeah. never do that. That's cruel. It's like Fourth uh, of July fireworks right there. Uh, songfacts.com on this one. Paul Rogers uh, said classic rock revisited January 12, 2001. 
Every song that we have done has its own story. Seagull was written sitting on the beach, like Chris said. Music is about atmosphere. The best way to create the atmosphere is to actually be there. You don't have to imagine it. It is right there. With Seagull, you can see the horizon. You can include that in the song. That is what writing songs is all about, creating mood and atmosphere. So, you know, I understand what he's doing. It's just, I like a lot of things about the song. The acoustic nature, like you guys, is great. I like the sound of it. I like the ballad nature of it. I like his vocals. It's just, I can't get my head around the seagull. Like, who's shooting seagulls down? You know, who's going to shoot at seagull? I don't get that. They're treating, yeah, it, like it's this, they're treating it like it's this hawk or this eagle, but it's really not. It's a seagull. And I just get... I can't get that out of my Who's going to shoot it down? Maybe somebody if it's like like coming into their trash or something, you know? Like that's I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't I just don't Kind of like a pigeon the, in a way, right? When I sit on the rats beach Rats of the sky. When I sit on the beach and no that's the pigeons or rats of the sky, aren't they? Pigeons. That's what I said it's kind of like a pigeon, like a beach oh. version of the pigeon basically. But anyways, that was only my biggest beef was with the song was that it was good and I liked it. I gave it a 7. I think it's a great tune. Uh, it's just that I cannot get my head around the seagull part of it. It's just like, why are you using that bird as your basis for this song? But I feel if like he Jimmy, could, if Jimmy Buffett were to write this I song, think he would be and, and, and saying it. How song. would you feel about it then? Exactly. Like, oh my God, it's the greatest song. Because it feels ever like something he might actually That's exactly sing. What I said, but I, I think, think this is I a think, perfect Buffett song. But I think perfect. if Buffett would have done it, I think he would have done it in a different way. He had written it in a different, not, he would have went and written like it was a majestic bird. He had written it more and more like a, a beachier vibe to the bird. Where Seagull had been part of the beach vibe and not so much this free bird kind I, of song, you know. Majestic. I don't think they're writing as a majestic animal. I think they're writing it just, it's, they're flying free and they have the choice to do whatever they and, want. They but fly it's the across way they, the ocean. They, they it's the way the they, beach. the way they set it up in the song, it just makes it sound like they're treating it like a majestic bird. Like it belongs with hawks and eagles and all those birds. And it doesn't. It really doesn't. So. I just, I was just, I can't, I have trouble getting my head around that. I don't know. Just one of those weird quirks. It's okay. It's okay. For those of y'all want to send an email of hatred because Anthony hates seagulls, feel free. <laughs> well, hey, you uh, guys hate it on this song. You know, obviously Anthony is a murderer of seagulls when he goes to the beach. He tries to hunt them down and kill them. Who's hunting these <laughs> he's, seagulls down? He's probably one of these you. throwing Alka-Seltzer at them, man. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Nope, but there's also a line there too that's about the end of the world too, which I don't know what that line's about in there. So well, it's coming one day. We just don't know when. <laughs> it's the, the seagulls will mark the end of the world. Maybe hey, I don't know. You so, know what? End of the world. Seagulls and cockroaches. That's all we left. That's right? also gonna live. Yeah, all they can survive after a nuclear. Holocaust. If, if if a seagull survives a nuclear holocaust, then I'll consider it a majestic bird. How's that say? Nah, you, won't be here to, survive. you won't be here to discuss that, Anthony. They're well, very, I'm looking they're down very crafty animals, man. They are. Yeah, I've seen them. They'll build forts, like a little channel. <laughs> they'll hide. I've they will hunt you down, boats. Anthony. They're going to come to your house. They're going to make a. They're going to make an ocean way all the way to to Mill Raleigh, and they're going to yeah. find you, much like, <laughs> much right. like the scene from the other Luke. guys. We, we, we've gone off the rails at this point. We, we need to, we need oh to wrap God. up Seagull. Oh so yeah, you're saying we're... Seagull fly on, is what you're saying? <laughs> Into the misty morn. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. All right, let's close. I've been lost at y'all. Oh, my God. I must be tired. I don't know. All right, let's do our final thoughts on this. Uh, Anthony, what was your score again? I've done forgot how good. You gave it a seven, right? I gave it a seven. I think it's a great two. Yeah, all joking aside, look, we're having fun. That's all that matters, man. This this is interesting because I gave it a seven and Anthony gave it a seven. And I'm like, 
singing Giving praises. A, yeah, praises. And Anthony's actually like explaining why it's Crapping so low. It. It's because Anthony always gives such high scores to everything. That's, I guess, I the just, difference. I don't like to be, I'm not a negative sense. person. I think there's too much negativity in this world. And I like to be a positive person. I well, try to be a positive person. And I don't like to crap on things like seagulls do. So, you know, that's who I am. Wow. Wow. That it really did go there. All right. Final thoughts on the debut album by Bad Company. First of all, Chris is a great pick, man. I had really never listened to this album straight through. I'm more of a, when it came to Bad Company, I had listened to the greatest hits, many, I owned it, 10 for 6, I owned it for, you know, forever. I think like four songs are on that, I believe, or three of them anyway. There were four. Um, yeah, I, I, I did own that. Um, I, I listened to tons of Bad Company over the years, what's come on the radio, and uh, it's a, I mean, it's just a pleasant surprise. Uh, and it has a great blues rock formula that, that was prevalent in the early 70s, and it's got the, man, vocally, Paul Rogers is outstanding, uh, you know, most of these songs are very good or better in my scale. Um, this is not a fast-paced album by no means. It's definitely one to chill to. And, I mean, I can honestly see a snapshot in time back in the 70s when you got a group of friends, not unlike us, kind of hanging around uh, the den, the living room, beer flowing, record player being the center of attention back then, and everybody just kind of hanging out, having a great time, talking about, listening to the music, actually taking it all in. Um you know, like I said, never listened to this record purposely in one sitting until this past week. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked how good the album was. I'm shocked how much I love the song Seagull. All joking aside, I mean, it's in my notes. Um, <laughs> vocally, uh, fantastic. The acoustic part at the end, fantastic. It's a pleasant surprise. Uh, my overall score came to be about 7.4 in our scale. That's the markings of a great album. Ultimately, I find Bad Company to be a great album. And I'm good with the 7.4. I think that's solid where it lands, and that's how I hear it. Chris, final thoughts? Yeah, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this week. I did, for sure. Uh, you guys know I'm, I'm a blues rock guy at, at my core, and this is a blues rock album. And it's one that I, you know, I, I'm with you, Jimmy. I always had the, the greatest hits, but I never really dug into like individual albums by these guys. I'll, I'll take that back. I, I owned a Holy Water album back uh, probably around 1990. And I love that album, man. I thought that was an underrated what album. What was on that one? <sighs> Nothing yeah. you know. Walking uh, on No, there was a... God, see, you tell me this. I'd have to like look at the set list. <laughs> well, you can't just uh, throw that caveat out there like you're throwing out crumbs to a seagull. you got to actually... Uh, if you needed somebody that was a hit on that album... The song Holy Water was a really good song. Excellent song. Uh, it's one of those that I just let play and didn't pay attention to the singles. I guess Walk Through Fires on that one. Yeah, that was a good song. Great Walk song. Through. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway. Stranger, it? Stranger, awesome song. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah. any of those songs. Yeah. Well, Anthony, you need to listen to this album. It honestly is a solid album to be released in whatever year it was. Yeah. 1989, 90? What, what yeah, year was it? Was around it? 90, I think. It, it, right in that time. Frame. 2000, it, was it was in 1990. Around, you're right. 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Rogers still on vocals? Uh, no, no, they had a different a guy singer. named Brian Howe. Yeah, that's okay. really good though. But anyway, back to this. And you know, it's interesting because I was really torn between this and, and the next album, uh, Six Shooter, because they're both. It was a six shooter, straight shooter. I can't remember. I, I should know. I think it's straight, straight shooter. shooter. Straight shooter. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But because they're both really good. I mean, it's like one A, one B. They both had massive hits on them, but. Uh, I figured this was the first album, and it's probably the best one to kind of dive into. I mean, 
pretty much Paul Rogers, hell of a vocalist. I mean, he really was, and he's a pretty good rhythm guitarist as well. I mean, I guess a lot of those riffs are his on there too. Uh, Mick Rouse, like I said, underrated lead guitarist. I love his tone. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of rig those guys used back in the day, but it sounded great for what they did. Uh, the rhythm section too, man. Those guys are prominent, you know. I mean, they they did they did a great job. Boz and Simon, what's it? Simon Kirk, Kirk. his name is. There. Yeah, I mean, I felt like they they were good too. I mean, that like I'm moving on the way those drums kick in on that. That's a great intro on that. Um, yeah, it was an underrated album. Uh, one that I don't know if it's underrated. I think a lot of people probably realized this was good when it was at the time, but we weren't alive at the time. Or well, I guess we were, but we were very young. So this is kind of like before our musical conscious kicked in, if you will. About a year old. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, unless your parents were playing this for you 10 years down the road, then you probably didn't listen to it very much. Uh, I gave it an 8.2 overall. That's where my score landed. So I'm good with that. Wow. That's a that's a shade over excellent. And <clears throat> I think that's fair for this album. It was a hell of a debut album, which led into a decade for these guys that was really, you know, they were very successful in the 70s. I have to say, guys, I feel like I kind of, you know, I'm getting ready to turn 50, like tomorrow. And. I kind of think to myself, you know, I grew up on 80s rock, but the more I listen to 70s rock, I think it's better than 80s rock. And I kind of, I feel like I missed a generation there where I would have much probably preferred the music out of the 70s than the 80s. Uh, It's the way it is, but like, I, I, you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys ever feel that way or not. I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes this this stuff is just much more like stripped down blues kind of stuff, which I really like. So I I don't know. I mean, it's some great bands out of the 70s that I, I missed out on. Uh, it's a good thing there's yeah. CDs that we can, or whatever, you know, streaming now that we can can catch up I, on some lost time, you know. I will say this, Chris, I got two points on what you just said. Number one, when in doubt on what y'all want to pick for an album, especially when it comes to being close to being a debut, always go to the debut. It leaves you room to go into the next album if you choose to re- review it later on down the road instead of going back. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like yeah. what we had to do with uh, with uh, Metallica, because we didn't start with Metallica at Kill em All, did we? You know what I mean? So we have to go back to kill them all. Um, I, we I think that's all yet, have we? No, we haven't. We haven't. Um, I think that that's the way to err on the side of caution. You go to that first album that way. You leave it opening for that second, third, fourth album, um, and it's something we probably probably should have done on multiple albums. But I find myself looking at looking at that whenever I go like, you know what? Like you, Anthony, you picked the the Dangerous Toys album, which is the famous one. It's their debut. If we ever do decide to do like a bonus episode, <laughs> you know, we've got probably never will happen. Yeah, but. Man. The next one probably is probably a pretty good one to listen to. Too, Damn I good. Think. I don't think I'll I don't know. I mean, the lead singer himself is like, "This is the only good album." I mean, he actually said yeah. that during concert, so when like he, that he says volumes that. right there. Yeah. But I mean, uh, if you get one album, you know, just think about it. if you get one good album that actually punches a hole into the music scene somewhere. I mean, don't discredit that. Man, if you just get one, yeah. if I got just I one book published, I'd be extremely happy. If I got one book published, you know, I don't of, need to get a bunch of them done. <laughs> just need one. That's all it takes, right? Speaking of discrediting, Chris, how dare you talk down on 80s rock? This no, is what just, the podcast I, I, was built on, and you just basically <laughs> crapped on it. There goes their audience. Well, yeah, that I, I like rant. 80s rock, but I Did feel I just, like... I, I, I just heard like, a bunch of clicks right now. It was a bunch of unsubscribes, right? So what yeah, I just heard. You <laughs> he just crapped all over our forte. Oh, God. It's what it is. I prefer the 70s rock. I, but I, no, I, really I agree. I know I what Chris says. Sometimes I think it has more substance to it, honestly. Sometimes, Sometimes I kind of wish I'd been born around 1960. I'd been a kid in the 60s, a teen in the 70s, in my 20s and the 80s, 
And I feel like I'd have gotten a really good grasp of all this great music that came out in the 70s and 80s. Cause You'd been young enough young enough not to get shipped off to Vietnam. Exactly. <laughs> it's a perfect time, man. Yeah. But, uh, wow. But at the same time, if I was born in 90, I'd probably be thinking the same thing. Like, man, I wish I could have been born in 80s. I could have done the 80s and the 90s. or You know what I'm saying? Yeah. True. You it's know. generational for sure. It is. Wow. Wow. All right, Anthony, what are your final thoughts on this record? Uh, you know, guys, I think this is definitely one of our better, better albums from the year. It's a great pick. Uh, can't recommend it enough to those who listen to the podcast who just want some great blues, bluesy rock and roll, classic rock music, man. It's a thumbs up for me. I, it's an 8.6, and I'm going to push it to a 9 as an outstanding because this is an outstanding from start to finish. Wow. It really isn't. Even a song like Seagull, they kind of bug me with the subject matter. It's still a great song. You know, the whole album is just rock solid from start to finish. So. I actually had a little trouble rating this album in spots because it was so good. I was like, do I go high? Do I try to be a little more, you know, in the middle? I wasn't really sure how to do it because it was so good. Did you say this is top five in in the year for you now, Anthony? As of right now, it's number three for me. Wow. It's not going to make my top five, I don't think. It'll be close, though. But Um, at the same time, I'm still going to do some jockeying around. I kind of go off the feels when I first hear an album. I'm like, where's it going to go for the year? That's what I do each time I listen to an album. So I'm hoping maybe towards the end of the year I'll have more of a, uh, you know, more of a true reaction to the instead of going back and having a retro sort of thing. So gotcha, gotcha. Well, I look forward to seeing how this pans out because we still got a, a handful of selections left before we close out our year. So, um, well, we got six more podcasts or seven more podcasts for the end of the year, right? Is that correct? I think so. Uh, Something, Something like, like that. that. It's like no idea, but I'll take your word for it. I'm looking for seven or eight. It's not too many. I'm looking forward to how the year ends up. I know, obviously, next month what we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I believe somebody's got to pick. What are you going to ruin, ruin us and with next week? In this corner, weighing in at approximately 180 pounds, the Ace of Apex, the Italian Stallion, the Ballad Boy. It's Anthony with his Pick of the Week. Well, you know, I think it's time to dive into a little Neil Diamond. No, I'm just kidding. Hell yeah. <laughs> Actually, Neil Diamond would be fun to dive into. But no, I think Maybe. we ought to dive into Twisted Sister's Stay Hungry. It's got wow. two, of the, two of the biggest iconic songs from the 80s on that album. Um, you know, with uh, what... I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I know they're on there. I want to rock, and yeah. uh, we're not gonna take exactly. that. I, just, I was thinking about that a few days ago. I said, we have not done a Twisted Sister album, and they, those songs were hugely like this, popular in the 80s. You feel so. like this is like a Halloween-themed episode? Yeah, uh, there's a couple Halloween songs on here. There's got one the album Burn in Hell. Hell. Yeah, Burn in Hell is on there, which is a great song. Isn't Burn in Hell on that one? Is yeah, it? that's what I said, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. The Price the, is on there, which is one of my favorites by him. What's the name of the album again? Twist and uh, Stay, Stay Hungry. The cover is a Halloween-looking cover. Yeah, he's eating <laughs> a gigantic bone. But there's a song in there, too, it, I think Chris is going to absolutely hate. It's about a seven-minute song. Um, oh, that's great. It's based on the Captain Pre-made Hattie. Flush, I like it. Oh, that's it, a great, great song. Oh, my it. God. Do you remember the movie Captain Howdy he did in the 90s? Yes. He, it's killer. based on, I think, that character he did eventually oh from the 90s. So. Are these guys like an old version of Steel Panther, do you think? No. No, no, no. Steel Panther is an absolute joke. Making well, they're fun kind of, of a genre. joke, too, man. Let's just be honest. Look at them. No, but Steel Panther they, is they, making They take fun. it to excess intentionally, I feel like. 
Uh, I think it's just who they were, man. It's just D. Snyder. He's just putting on an act. Ain't nobody like that. I think Steel Panther's exactly. putting on an act, just like Steel Panther does. I think Steel Panther's making fun of the genre personally, but well, they are, which is you know, okay. Where I don't think I don't think Twisted Sister is making fun of the genre. I think they were just having fun with the genre. It's a difference using the genre's tropes to, you know, have fun with. Not like Steel Panther, who's basically making fun of it. So it's a little bit different. Plus, it's Steve Snyder. Sure. He's very theatrical. He's one of those kind of people. So. Dude, I love this album when I was a kid. Yeah. I love this album when I was a kid. I was I looking mean, at it a few days ago and I was like, man, we have not done a, we haven't done, you won't let me do Twisted Sister Christmas. So I'm like, this is the next best thing, man. So we'll do this one instead. Yeah. No, this is a great, great album. I, I, I'll be curious to see. This will be a true first listen for Chris, except for a couple songs he's heard before, yeah, obviously. I, mean, I love but, the hits, uh, obviously. I just feel yeah, like this dude, podcast dude. needs to have those two songs on it at some point in time because those songs are so. Freaking iconic in the eighties, man. Yeah, man that's, Videos that's fantastic. Too. Good lord. So. Good lord. All right. Well, Anthony, what do you got going on this week, man? I've got uh, a Halloween episode coming up on my podcast. So dive into the two Jimmy Buffett songs that are actually Halloween based yet again. I can't believe what, I'm what are the Halloween based Buffett songs again? Vampires, Mummies, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yeah, classic. And, and what's the other? It's like the Halloween Desperate Samba. Yeah. Desperation Samba. Harrison Ford yeah. doing the, the whip crack. Yeah. But I managed <laughs> to get in a Managed to get an Ice Nine Kills in this episode this week, so be looking for Wow, that. that is absolutely completely different from Buffett. That's impressive. They've actually got an acoustic version of uh, the shower song. Uh, the shower scene from Psycho, they do that one song, it's real heavy. But they got an acoustic version of it, and I was like, well, that's acoustic. That'll fit perfectly on my podcast. Wow, that's awesome, man. Got I, that on I there, and I got another little weird trop rock song on there, too, that Scott found floating around. So Cool. And man. my story's going to be on there, too. I had a... Uh, one of my short stories I read, so it's going to be on there. So, Anybody wants to some good Halloween theme? And I dropped the Halloween episode last week, too, as a bonus, one of my short stories. So, Anybody wants some Halloween? I got it on mine on my song lines and tan lines. So. <laughs> I don't uh, normally plug other podcasts besides yours, Anthony, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out that 13 Days of Halloween. Just dropped their first four or five episodes this week, and it's been, it's been a fun little ride on that. Uh, I listen to it every year. Next yeah. thing is... As Chris alluded to earlier, tomorrow's Chris's birthday. This is Chris's birthday episode this year. Fifty, congratulations! <laughs> five, uh, half half a century. Uh, we're all we're stings, all man. Away. Stings. Fifty years, I love it. man. It's hard to believe. Um, it. it doesn't feel like it's been fifty years, does it? The ones with a zero hurt a little bit. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no kidding, right? And uh, of course, tonight I'm I'm making my trip down to Charlotte tonight. Going to go check out uh, Steve Vai. He's down at the Fillmore. Hopefully, I'll be able to get close enough to get a couple of good photos with him and hang out. Chuck, my buddy Chuck from down there is going to meet me. So, uh, Chris, if you decide to go, I might leave until about two thirty. If you want to ride, like I said, you let me know. But I know <laughs> I probably it's hard. I know it's two hours of, of electric guitar. So, yeah, I'm all yeah. About if there was stuff. a singer, it might be different. This is not my bag. Yeah, so there should be any guitar vocals. the whole time. There's no singer. It, it will be. He has a couple songs he sings, but I don't think he's playing any of those on this tour. Um, wow. He's doing like a retrospective, and he just had an album come out last year. So I don't, um, I'm not even sure I could do that, Jimmy. For two dude. hours. I like instrumental music, but I'm not You'll sure. You'll be a guitar guy it. for that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Look, guys, yeah. I, I little, I've got a Steve Vai guitar. I'm looking at it right here on my wall. So I mean, yeah, Steve Vai. You know, I'm all about guitar stuff satriani by ingve malmstein stuff like that i don't make you guys you know review that stuff because i know that it's a tough tough listen for you guys uh especially I will with say no, that no when, when you took me to john five that was that was good 
but it was we also like, like thirty an hour. minutes away instead of three hours away. So. Yeah, no, I get it, man. I, I, and this is the, this is the caveat. I've never seen Steve Vai before ever live. I really, that's mm-hmm. surprising. I didn't realize that. I should have saw him. You should Roth definitely go with him, through. man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the you know we all talk about the the uh, the Mount Rushmore of guitarists. Man, Steve Vai's on that damn thing. He definitely I mean, is. That's all I agree too. with that. I can't wait, and we, you know, we we all harked upon he how great he was. David Lee Ross guitarist back in the day, right? In, yeah, in the Smiling Skyscraper, yeah, yeah, and then White Snake's uh, uh, album after the the what the self titled whatever it's called, I, I can't remember that. Yeah, album, but, the eighty seven. Uh, they call it nineteen eighty seven. They call it White Snake. White Snake. Yeah, it's the one after that. One's the one he did. It's got the red White Snake stamp. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good one. Slip it's of the tongue. Is that the one? Slip of the tongue. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, Vi's yeah. the guitarist on that one with Adrian Vandenberg, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Had to beef up Adrian's uh, guitar playing skills there, did he? Adrian didn't need it, but he's still a good <laughs> guitar player. <laughs> I found out that he did, he was in a bad car wreck, and that's why he had to have they had to hire another guitarist. Oh, really? Uh, okay, see, I shouldn't be. Yeah, so Steve came in, he, hot off of uh, the Crossroads movie and stuff. Everybody's starting to know him. David Lee Roth. Yeah, he was he was becoming. Oh yeah, he was on business. top of the world back then for sure. Oh yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. All right, well, boys, I know we went off the rails, but nonetheless, Chris, you rock your birthday tomorrow, man. Enjoy that thing, and uh, guys, for the Audible XD podcast, this is Jimmy, this is Chris, this is Anthony, and this is it. Nobody.